Um, he's a pretty big contribution to my life, and although that's one of his many strong suits, the reason why he's on with us today is because he's made the conscious choice to remain a virgin at 24, and that's something that I found fascinating because when I was in my 20s, I remember that I couldn't wait to get rid of my virgin label, and I wanted to understand, like, what a healthy mindset around this would be because i if there is one i don't know and it's too late for me to do that dance so uh yeah welcome to the show is there anything you want to add to like who you are or like what you have to say around that no man i'm just excited to talk ask the questions and i'm happy to answer but let's do it all right so um at what point did you know that like hey this is the path that i want to walk because i remember earlier we were talking and you were like, this is actually not a religious choice. It's just something that I chose. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the way of thinking about this, Rob, is let's look at this from a way that people would understand it. So it, it's not really a choice. I didn't, I didn't, well, choice. How can I say this? Like, I didn't wake up one morning and say, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to wait until marriage. It, it was more like a, a progression here. Let me kind of explain how, how, okay. how, yeah, how yeah. to feel for the follow up. So, so an easy way of thinking about life, there's three different buckets, right? So wealth health and relationships and relationships could be any type of relationship. That could be romantic uh, friendships, uh, family, things like that. So I grew up thinking my entire life, cause my parents were really poor. I didn't really have that much money. That wealth was the hardest of the three buckets to master. Mm. So from the ages of 12 to 22, I was ruthlessly focused on making a lot of money. So any dime, any penny that I could make so I could get my parents out of like the situation that we were in, you know, just, you know, not like minimum wage workers, the things weren't amazing. That's what I did. But after I started making money in my early twenties, you know, getting a corporate job and making some cash, what I realized was wealth was actually the easiest of the three buckets to master if you're really focused. And I'll give the formula to everyone. You pick a skill that you're really good at you compare it to what the market is currently paying for that skill. So if there's a job, like a 60, 70K job, and I'm saying about you don't have to be a millionaire or anything, and then you align both of the two, and if you're really good at it, and there's enough positions in that thing, you get, you get what you want. It took me 10 years, but here you go, from 12 to 22. So wealth was solved. Now it left wealth, uh, excuse me, health and relationships. So health, once again, super easy to solve. Obviously, it's difficult, you know, it's challenging, and I sympathize with people who have those problems. But at the end of the day, you know, it's accountability. You get a personal trainer, you get a friend, you go to karate class, you go to yoga class, you hold yourself accountable. I don't know, man, like to a group of people, <laughs> yeah. you pay 50 bucks a month, you eat right, you drink less soft drinks. It's not that hard. So now we get to the third bucket. Okay, so I mastered the other two, at least well enough that I'm satisfied. The third bucket, my whole life, Rob, has always fascinated me. And what I mean by the third one, I mean specifically romantic relationships. So when it comes to friendships or uh, people around me that I love, like my family, like that, that was also simple. Just be a good person, do good things to other people, and you'll find people that are loyal to you. That's fine too. But when it comes to romance, what I found fascinating is just obviously the first sign of that was when I looked at my own parents' relationship. You know, they had an arranged marriage, like most people in my South Asian community. Mm -hmm. And in that situation, what happens is it's, it's a different symbol of love where love is seen more as a, as a way of doing business or as a way of 
partnership between two people like marriage was 150 years ago plus right right? this whole idea of romanticism as you probably are aware of is a fairly recent concept right it's not something that's been around for too long this whole idea of like let's get married get an engagement ring and do the the whole thing but anyways the the idea is you know i couldn't point to a single monogamous relationship in my life that was actually happy Mm. because most of those you know they all had arranged marriages or some of them had love marriage and you could see the relationship degrade over time and then you have this other mirror where i had all of my friends who were dating telling me how amazing their girlfriend or boyfriends were and then two years later despite the disney movie reel that we see on social media it was a complete disaster and then they're bad mouthing everybody and i'm looking at both of these perspectives and obviously you know as a teenager slash young adult i mean i think about sex probably every single day like obviously i'm not i'm not immune to any of <laughs> i i read the game last weekend like i i like i like i'm fascinated by by different uh different, but, but i think a way of understanding me rob is i always like applying logic to anything and relationships is the hardest thing to apply logic to. And here's the conclusion I've derived. The conclusion I've derived is there's a very small percentage. If, if the goal is to have kids, okay, let's, let's take it through my frame. Um, I am someone who definitely wants to have a family in my life. That's some, and if it's not your case and people are listening, it's totally cool. But within the frame that I think about it, if that is the goal, chances are, based on my experience, based on how I think about child and how they, they grow up over time, it requires a stability, you know, a stable family. But now the challenge is that I've asked myself is how do you create a monogamous relationship that lasts for 40 plus years where both partners are happy? And it seems that the conclusion I've derived is that there's only a very small fraction of the population on both genders, so both men and female, that can make this thing work. So let's say you're a really awesome guy, you're very well developed, you know, you're very thoughtful, and then you meet you know, a partner who's like really amazing the first six months, but they haven't dealt with any of their emotional issues, they haven't, and that they project that back onto you. Opposite is also true, you know, woman to man. You know, woman does all the personal development stuff and then talks to the man, man's you know, very alpha male or whatever, whatever toxic masculinity teaches us. But anyways, I think the math tells me is there's probably a very small percentage on both sides. So my goal in life has always been a weird question that I formulated for this very show that I never thought about that you made me think about, (laughs) that I think no other man asked themselves, which is, what does a top 1% mother look like? And what qualities does that person have? Because I think what, what most men do is, given just our evolutionary way of looking at the world, you know, if, if sex comes, you got to take it. Like, I mean, 40% of men reproduce versus 80% of women. So, so we're biologically wired to look at the physicalities of someone. Obviously, the thighs are one part too. But it's, anyways, I don't want to bore you too much here. The point I'm, I'm, I'm railing here is I haven't found that person yet. So I just stayed a virgin. I didn't want to give it up to somebody who I didn't particularly like or had a relationship with. Interesting. Okay, so let me see. <laughs> oh, no, I gave a like- lot there. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, there's, yeah, there's a lot to talk about, but like, I, I think I want to first see if I've got it. I'm hearing that like a chunk of this is informed by like just your statistics, right? Like there's a low likelihood of me meeting the right person. And what I'm looking for is like what a top 1% mother would be. And that's informed by a desire to be a dad. 
you got it. So, so I give you an example here to kind of help you think about this. Like I've asked out women like in my life for sure, but I, I've just asked out a, a much lower amount than most men. So let's say from the ages of 15 to 24, I've probably asked out six women in my life, probably six or seven. They all said mm-hmm. no, unfortunately, just tough luck for me. But the, the last year, like the, the sixth or seventh woman, when I met her, I knew she was a top 1% mom. So I was super happy with my decision to have waited because I was looking back to every single woman that said no to me up until that point, which was around the age of 23. And I just said, thank God any of those people said yes. No offense to them, of course, but just, you know, for my own way of seeing the world. So then I met that 1% person. Once again, who knows for sure. But like the, the way that I thought about it, you know, and then what happened there is, is she also said no, which is unfortunate for me. But what helped me realized was that anyone who tries to pick any, okay, it depends what your goal is with the relationship. If your goal is to have a long-term monogamous relationship, let's go under that frame. It's very difficult or much harder for you to do that at a younger age. Because what I found, and I'm sure you've probably seen the same thing, the, the traits or rather the things that you look for in a partner change dramatically as you age. So if you, if you meet someone at 18 and then you're 25 and you start doing all these Tony Robbins events and all that stuff, you start to realize like, oh, life is meant for greater things, but your partner still has a fixed mindset, assuming they don't grow. Hmm. So anyways, so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I've got that like there are, there are a lot of concerns about like long-term compatibility, like what if they're a mismatch and like um, what if later on we've been together for a really long time, but we got together early and things change. Um, and those all seem like normal relationship breakdowns, but I, I guess my question is how, how does sex come into the picture there? Cause I guess when I think about it from my perspective, and I, I know this isn't your perspective, uh, when I think about it from my perspective, it's like, I could navigate all those things while still having sex and I like having sex. So I would probably do that. Um, so yeah, like what, what has, what has sex be off of the table? Absolutely. So, so probably two things that come to mind. What is more, I'm just very risk averse. I don't want to take the one in thousandth chance that I impregnate the partner. If that happens, I would just get really worried. And, and the reason I say that, even if it's a stupid belief that I have that I would acknowledge is, you know, I look at people like Drake who like accidentally impregnated like a, like a porn star. Like I could just, here, here's what I do that most people do is that I feel the pain of the people I never meet. So let's say I picture myself, like I do this, it's kind of creepy, it's weird. <laughs> I kind of picture, I get to picture myself as Drake for 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> and I'm just like, man, his life must be terrible right now. He's got a kid he doesn't want. He's got all the money in the world, but like he has to balance all this stuff. And anyways, it wasn't a situation, like it, even if it is a desirable thing for me to want to do, mm. Like, even if definitely, I mean, biologically wired, like anyone else to have sex and to do all those things, like, I'm not denying that. I, I think for me, it's, it's just not been, it's, it's never been worth it, like, to, to, to have it with somebody I just don't know. I, maybe I've just been able to counter my biology, or maybe it's just because I masturbate so often that it doesn't matter. It's <laughs> but, I, 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 but I think the, the conclusion that I've derived is, is sex is very distracting. Mm. And obviously, you know, I shouldn't talk about my accomplishments or also reveal who, who it is. But the point I'm making is, you know, because of that, I've had a lot of success in my life, both financially and also just personally. I've been proud of what I've done and the choices I've made. But 
I think the bottom line here is I don't judge people who do have sex and they should enjoy it. I mean, they're in their twenties for crying out loud. I mean, you don't, you don't keep it up for too long anyways, but I think the, the point is uh, for me, it's never been a priority per se. Yeah, no, this is, this is really interesting. And I think this hits at the meat of the matter for, for me at least. And what I'm getting is that it's like kind of like a two pronged thing. One is a concern like, Hey, what if, what if I accidentally impregnate this person? And then like, I think through the pain that Drake has been through and it's like, <laughs> nope, not for me. <laughs> and then, then the second piece, which, which, um, which lands actually more for me is, is that piece around sex being a distraction because like biologically it is like one of the most addictive things that you could ever possibly fucking do. Oh, absolutely. Hey, thanks for listening to this podcast. And if you're getting something out of it so far, if you're entertained or you just like the sound of my voice, go ahead and subscribe to this thing. Give it a rating on whatever platform you're listening to or share it with a friend. Any interaction that you have with this podcast helps their algorithm know that this is something that people will want to listen to and it helps us grow. And it helps me stay motivated to keep on doing this. <laughs> so we're going to be returning to the interview right after this Jeez, so, like I, I was reading the game last weekend i was turned on for like three days straight i couldn't i, <laughs> like, I couldn't sleep like i was like this i was like oh, why the fuck did i read this book it, it changed my life that was a great read but it's the point i'm making is uh, um i have so many i have so many so many things to say about the game but but yes not 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 this not this podcast okay but okay wait wait but 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 what what about like What's the difference between sex and porn, though? Because, like, I, I have experienced both of them as being, like, addictive forces for me. And even my cell phone is addictive. Like, what, what has sex be, like, a different thing? Yeah, no, absolutely. And you'll find this really bizarre. You pr probably won't even believe me, Rob. I actually don't watch porn at all. Ah, got it. So it's like yeah. masturbating just to, like, a visual of someone or, like... You got it. And obviously, like, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, I watch it indirectly. But I mean, like, what that means is, like, let's say I'm watching a Game of Thrones episode and it just shows up. Like, I don't skip the feed. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but at the same time, I don't, I don't like, wake up at... I don't stay up until midnight and go on, like, you know, those websites. Like, I don't do mm. that. That's what I mean. So, so because of that, you're right. I guess the... Cons or it's been... It's been mostly the game recently, but <laughs> and I keep bringing it up. But but, but you're right; it's it's kind of a mix of all of those things. You got it. Got it. Okay. No, that actually, your approach there makes sense to me. In that, like, I've heard that if if you're going to be taking on a no fap challenge, or if you're if you're taking on no masturbation, uh, or or any of the other things designed to like decouple like the kind of addictive qualities of porn, then what you do instead is you have to rely on your imagination. Uh, which, yeah, your approach there makes sense to me. Yeah, and I'll be honest with no fap. I tried it. It couldn't last longer than three days. I'm trying. I'm still trying to try and make it longer. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm not sure what the effects of those are because I hear mixed opinions on that. But uh, yo, yeah. Um, I mean, I th I think that that aligns with my experience of it as well. Like after about a week, your testosterone is supposed to peak off. But like as your testosterone is rising, like it's 
uh, for me, it was just like getting hornier and hornier. So like by by the end of the seventh day, it was just ready. It was time to fuck anything, and yeah, yeah, yeah. it was very hard to continue. I but, I can relate to that. Like like one thing I want to push here before we go to the next statement okay, here. Okay. Is, okay. So last year I asked out a woman who was like that was like the person. Like I knew like every other person I had met before. I was just like no. Like I knew right after it just wasn't the thing. I knew like three days into talking to this person, like this person. If she had said yes. Okay, let's play hypothetical so we kind of understand the position. And we had been in a relationship for, let's say, now a year, let's say. I would have lost my virginity. It would be a different conversation. Like, I, I definitely would have slept with her, right? Like, that's that's the point I'm making. I think the – okay, let me explain this differently. Um, I, I always like looking at my life in reverse. So this whole idea of writing your own funeral speech at a very young age and all that stuff. So, and I watch other people's lives and how they've all played out and made my own decisions. So you have like Hugh Hefner, who's been like, like with thousands. Then you have like, you know, Rob, who's been like a couple hundred and stuff. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing. So like, surprisingly, like my number is not that high. Like, I, okay, I feel I'm like just... I end up in long-term relationships like very quickly. Like yeah, within, you're just within entering the dating field for about a month, I'll usually have a long-term relationship. That's fair. I mean, it goes it goes to your coaching, man. You're an effective. I will be sure to call you in a couple of years when my time is come. <laughs> when kidding. my time has come, I, I feel like that carries a note of doom with it. When, when my yes. time has come, when it's when time for me time. to go. No, I'm just messing with you. So, so the way that I think about it is like um, Jeff Bezos is. Uh, regret minimization framework like he says like if i was 80 years old today what would i have regret not doing and if i'm being honest maybe that could change in 40 i can end up regretting all of the sex that i missed out on but i think for now i think the one thing i regret the most out of life is if i picked the wrong mother for my children so let's say for example i ended up in a relationship with someone because of, and because of the nature of monogamous relationships, I have no idea how it's going to go. And people who think they do are probably going to fail and all that stuff. And then, you know, let's say we have a 15-year amazing marriage and we get divorced. Would I be devastated emotionally? It seems likely. I've never been through a divorce, but I try and learn from people who have been. And I try and learn from that experience. But at least since I picked the, mo- the right mother, I can still, like, continue that relationship with that other person. And still mother the children. Because there's no guarantee of anything in relationships. That's what I found. Relative to wealth and health where if you actually are smart with your money and your health, you, there's a guarantee. But there, at least you can disagree. Feel free to. Uh, this is not a one-way thing. But for relationships, I found that there is no guarantee. You kind of just do what you can. But you can't control the other person. So you just be the best version of yourself for as long as you can do it. Mm. And despite uh, the turbulation. So yeah, I think the key is I would regret picking the wrong mother. That for me is the biggest thing. I know it's really weird for a 24-year-old to say, but you can think of me as as if I've already died. So it's like I already died and was given a second chance at life. So I'm always rethinking through to make sure I don't make big mistakes. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Um, man, I have I have a question kind of stemming back to this because I know earlier you mentioned that your criterion is you're looking for someone who would make like the ideal mother or like top one percent mom, right. um, and and what piece of that is is for you? Because I guess if I look at it from my own perspective, I can see that being beneficial for my kids. But but is is that something that's desirable for you because it's like a turn on thing, or it's something that you want to meet like emotional needs, or like what is what is that belief based off of? De- definitely a mix of all of those things. It's a very sharp question. I and I think that the reason I have trouble explaining is because no one's really asked me about this. It's kind of fascinating. Uh, but I think the way that I see it is, I think the old adage, you know, you marry your mother, is is so true. I think in many ways, maybe it's not true for everybody, but for it's true for me. 
so one part of that is definitely like, you know, my mom was such an amazing caretaker, such a great mother. She always thought about my needs. So for me, going back to love languages, like for me, the number one love language out of the five, you know, words of affirmation, all that stuff is acts of service. Like for me, when I see someone who goes out of their way to help me, I, it really means a lot to me more than physical touch or all the other four. And mm. I probably got that from my mom. So I, so that's just the way that I, I see it. Like I, there's nothing that, that kind of makes me want to take care of someone more when they're taking care of other people. I think that's just something that I've always valued. And obviously the second part of that is I'm very, I'm, I'm like a, I'm like the most liberal person you'll ever meet with the most conservative values <laughs> in, in this, in this idea that I'm super liberal. I'm super open to anyone doing whatever they want and being open to having these types of discussions as you probably tell from listening to me. But at the same time, the person I want to end up marrying you know, uh, chances are I'll want them to be a homemaker. Chances are I'll want them to take care of the kids and prioritize that for them. Like they, that's what they want to do, right? Versus let's say someone who's, a, I don't know, uh, I don't want to box frame here. But uh, anyways, the, the idea is like, I would never date a smoker. I would never date a woman who binge drinks. I would never like, despite how attractive she is. Like uh, I'll give you a personal yeah, story. Neither so, would I, yeah. Yeah, so, so I get an example. Like, I'm not saying I haven't had offers on the table, right? You know, like I would be at a party. I dance like a crazy, like I'm nuts. I don't drink alcohol either. I'm nuts. I need but footage like I, of this. Like afterwards, can we can we have yeah, a conversation can, about this? I feel probably, like I could like dance for seven hours straight without any breaks. It's kind of nuts. So mm. so naturally, you know, women come up. Oh, there's one like, uh, she, she, but she's. I just get really disgusted by that because they're just really drunk, and I just go like, oh, I don't like. It's not something I want to do. So even if I knew I could sleep with them, I just kept talking to them for like an hour or two. But the, the point for me has just been, going back to your question, it's definitely a mix of this idea that I found through my limited experience in life that the only way to maintain a monogamous relationship in a way that works for me long-term is that if I am the dominant alpha of the relationship in a way that I take care of them, but I'm also the head of the family, with a female partner who prefers to be beta, who prefers to follow in my role and prefers to take care of kids. And she could be whoever she wants, you know, have her own identity, but that should be a huge priority in her life. Like I would never date someone who doesn't want kids, for example. That for me is just, I, I just wouldn't even entertain a conversation. I would just be friends with them, hmm. essentially. Yeah. Got it, okay, good. I, I like that this is coming from like lived experience and it's not just like a theory crafted thing. Like you no, no, had no. experience with women, there is actual attraction there and that's what you're going for. It, it's definitely a mix of the two. There's definitely some logic there. Like for example, the girl I liked, like last, I was actually in love with her like crazy. I didn't understand it. So that's the stuff we don't understand, right? Like the, the non-logical parts, you know, you just look at her and you're just like, geez, like where has she been my entire life? But there's also the logical component that is needed for me to pursue the relationship. You know, she doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, huge in personal development, create, dance for very long periods of time without drinking. Like, just, <laughs> just, a, just a lot of that stuff all like, added up. I like how that and, made like the top list of priorities. Oh, 100% for me. Dance was, is like a freak for seven hours. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, you know, <laughs> like super positive mindset, like not negative at all. And, or for the most part anyways, uh, relative to other people I've met. And then the other thing was a uh, caretaking role. Like uh, the, the role that she had was like, think of, I won't say it, but let's say it's teacher slash nurse slash doctor. Like she's in one of those positions. So for me, it's just like, oh, that's someone who would be make a great mother. Everything clicked. I never met anyone like her. So I was just like, oh, like that is, and that's probably going to change again in five years, how my criteria goes. But, 
but that's that's the key yeah so i pursued her yeah got you okay I, I like that you brought up that it would change because that's been my experience as well. Um, the stuff that I look for changes after every single relationship. And I, I was wondering how you account for that. Like, is it that you just go and reformulate after you encounter something and find that it changes your opinion? You, you know, it's bizarre, uh, Rob. I, I think I've gotten lucky in many ways. Like every woman that's rejected me in my life, there hasn't been many, so I haven't asked out many of them, but um, it's every single time I've I've asked out like one, two, three, four, five, my criteria, even if I'd never went through the emotional, um, I guess the emotional journey of being in that relationship, doing all the things and then going, because I've never been through a breakup, right? I still don't know what that feels like either. Yeah. But since I've never done that, I, I even if I, I didn't full feel the full range of those emotions, and I'm not saying the first relationship I'm going to be in is going to be the right one either, who knows. But I am learning over time from each of those people that I'm asking. So for example, number one was just, oh, you know, she's a really nice person. She's pretty. She has a nice smile when I was 15. And then it just quickly changes to 20. And she's like, oh, well, you know, I, I actually prefer dating someone who's really intelligent. Like, I don't want to date someone who can't have interesting conversations. And then forward again, 24. And then I'm just like, wait a minute. Like, don't I need to get, like, don't I want to have kids, like, so badly? Like, shouldn't this person, like, be responsible and reliable and not just have a pretty face? And that's going to change again, right? But I think what I'm realizing, especially after the last, person was just uh i just i'm so thankful i met her because it just gave me a better idea of what i should be looking for so basically what i'm saying is even if i'm not entering those relationships my criterion what i look for is still changing over time so i still feel like i'm getting the benefit of um of of that those the changes in criteria without having to go through the emotional baggage of relationships particularly mm. I, f I feel like I keep on getting, I I'm, I'm finding myself stumbling into the same logical fallacy, which repeatedly, which is interesting. Uh, my brain keeps on assuming that since you're not having sex, you're not dating. And that's not, that's not correct. You're still dating. And from that, you're using that to reassess your overall strategy. Uh, no, you're correct. I actually have never went on a date in my life. Got it. Okay, so but it's not because I'm not open to dating either. So I think you can think of me. This is kind of a thing I've thought of. And once again, all of this is still experimental. I'm clearly not the expert on this. But the way that I see have seen it is what I've realized is that the person who I'm most likely to date statistically, the best way to meet that person is at a personal development conference. Because that was the difference between the person I had number six and everyone else, because that person's already emotionally, I'm not saying that person is perfect. So when that everything spiked, so what I do, what I was planning on doing this year, actually, that didn't happen, was I was actually planning on going to 25 different events this year and just meet a bunch of women. Like, that's what I was planning on doing. Mm. So it's, I'm, I'm not here telling you, oh, you know, you guys should all wait until marriage. Like, I don't care about any of this. No, that's just stupid limiting, uh, what is that, insecurities? No, no, no. I, I definitely want to be dating. I think it's more just uh, picking the right environment. I just think that right now, I, I just don't see an, and I don't see it being worth dating or now in, in the present time, just because I'm super young and I have other projects that I can just reinvest my time and focus on. But definitely when the, when COVID is over and events start again, I'll definitely go back out and, and meet a bunch of women for sure. Yeah. I, I like, um, I like the strategy that, that you just brought up. I think that's actually a pro tip and something that I would highly recommend if you're listening right now is is getting very specific on who it is that you're looking for 
Uh, I, I personally enjoy the process of experientially finding out who that is. But if you don't have an idea of that, getting that avatar down, understanding what kind of conventions they would go to, and then attending those conventions, that's that's ideal. Like ultimately, I think a big chunk of the gate, like the dating game is I find out who my tribe is. I find out who I naturally vibe with. And then I optimize my chances of meeting those people, which is why I fucking hate online dating. Anyway. Exactly. No, I totally agree. <laughs> like I, I was listening to an episode that, with Neil Strauss a couple of days ago, and he was explaining how the incentive system of online apps is not in your favor because their goal is not for you to find the love of your life. Their goal, number one, is to keep you on the platform and single for as long as possible. So how, how are you, just from a mathematical perspective, how are you supposed to ever find the love of your life if Tinder wants you there for a year longer? If, if you know, whichever app you want to pick, Hinge or whatever it is, Match.com, all that stuff. So oh. you're always being incentivized to like stay on the platform to, be, to keep paying for the service. That's interesting. That, that is very interesting. I, I've never encountered any kind of effect like that before. So I, I don't, I'm not saying that that doesn't exist because it's, it's clearly built in. It's built into most social media. It's continued to use me until the end of time. That way we get more user base, more money. Um, but I feel like my counter argument to that is just, just become really attractive, bro. Just be really good at dating and then that problem goes away. <laughs> That's also true. Oh, I agree. That, that's why I think Tinder's big client base or the people who pay them the most money or the people who just can't get girls, right? Who don't know how to how to play the the dating game or have the confidence, right? We we call them they call them simps in the that's the term for it. I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, it's just people who just who, who just like hope that oh if I buy this Tinder premium I'll get two extra matches. It's just really sad. But it's the point that I'm driving. The highest quality of human beings, if I'm opt remember. You have to keep in mind the frame I'm speaking from. I'm not optimized. Like, this is what I, what I tell people. Like, my best friend's a rapper. He slept with, what, like, 400 women? I don't, like, literally. I'm not even exaggerating. And I, and I, don't, I don't, like, blame him. Like, it, it's, he's, he's my best friend. He still is. I think it's more just based on the frame. Like, if I, was trying to, if I was trying to maximize body count, my standards would dramatically drop. As long as they're attractive, I wouldn't care about anything else. But since I'm optimizing for one and not 400, just one, right? The right one, obviously. I might get it wrong a couple of times, but the one, the one person, not the concept of the one that makes no sense. We can have a whole conversation about that, but the idea is just the optimist for that one person. Well, my standards are ridiculously high. That's why very few people have made the cut. Hmm. Yeah, I, hmm, let me think here. I think the thing that I keep on bumping into is this concept of like, like, you know, with like business, there's there's always the um like you go with like the lowest like what is the term it's like the lowest hanging fruit is that what you mean not it's like the 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 most viable option that takes the least amount of investment and then you kind of just like build from there like you see if it works and then you scrap mm -hmm. it and then you rebuild and evolve and i know that <laughs> exists within business and I, i'm wondering if there's if it feels like that doesn't apply to relationships or if it's, hmm. yeah. That's fascinating, dude. I, I've never actually pondered that if I'm being honest, like the whole, like it's, can you iterate your way into dating? Let me think about that. I, I think, I don't think that's wrong. I think that's definitely an approach you could take, but I guess one I've decided not to take 
mostly because of insecurity probably and fear of rejection because mm. i feel probably if i'm being honest i appreciate that actually i, just, I appreciate it, that a lot probably i, I think that's one of the re- like for me it's more just been like how do i see this like if, if i'm like 50 if i'm 70 percent into somebody and i'm just like oh this person's like really attractive it, uh, there's always going to be a mechanism in my body that's just like if I'm going to be rejected, I don't want to be get rejected by someone I didn't actually really want to go on a date with, right? Like, I think that's what I mean by that, right? Versus just getting a bunch more rejection. Like, I get rejections all the time in business. I think, I think with relationships, it's more about like, hmm. Okay, let me, let me rephrase. Okay, here's how I see it. I agree with the approach, but I would only do it with the right environment. So let's say I go to like a, a Mind Valley event. Let's say there's a thousand people there. Mm-hmm. And I meet, let's say, a hundred women, right? And I just talk to, talk to everyone, and I'm just like, okay, I need to ask out, and I'm pretty confident, in like three of them. I'll ask out all three, right? But if I'm outside of that environment and I just see like a pretty girl on the street, I won't do it mostly out of insecurity, but also a small part because of statistically, it just won't work. Hmm. Got it. Because even I, if that person goes on a date with me and we're happy, we're probably going to break up two years later and then I'll be miserable because I was like, why did I go? Right? <laughs> so statistically, it just wouldn't work. Uh, even if the odds are really low. Anyways. I mean, think about it, Rob. Right? Half of the marriages end in divorce. But what people don't get that Chris Rock summarized as well is the other half are lying. Like the other half or well, not all of them, obviously, but a good percentage. We don't know how much. I can't. I don't know, but like, let's say it's 20, 30% who you know, 20% is for religion. The other 10% is for uh, staying with the kids. Like at what point, like this is something that fascinate, like what percentage of all monogamous relationships, heterosexual or homosexual, regardless, long-term or actually happy after 30 years. That's something that always fascinated me. And I think that number is very, very, very tiny. Yeah. I mean, I have no experience in that arena, but like I, I have my own theories about how this works. <laughs> like, okay, so my my thing is, I I think that from what I've seen, people don't know actually how to resolve conflict in a meaningful way, and when they bump into that, like usually around the two year mark, that's when the first wave of breakups happen because that's like when the honeymoon period and all the happy chemicals are gone. Um, but I think that also because people don't know how to resolve conflict in a way that makes the relationship stronger that resentment builds up over time until eventually like 30 years later, later, they're like layers and layers and layers of fights that just like someone said, I'm sorry. And that's how they left it. Like, and there's no actual emotional Mm. catharsis or release. There's no vulnerability around like, Hey, I did this thing and I know it landed to you. Like I completely disrespect you. And, uh, yeah, I want to be responsible for that. So this is what I'm going to do about it. Um, can you tell me about your actual experience? And then what I've noticed is even if someone does do that, when that person talks about their actual experience, like it felt like you, uh, like, how would I phrase this? It felt like you didn't think about me at all. It felt like you were just interested in serving your own needs. And in that moment, I felt disregarded and abandoned. When that happens, when I receive that, it's natural for my brain to go into fight or flight. And I'll treat that like an attack and then it'll turn into like another separate fight. And so I see that pattern all the time in relationships. And it's the, it's the minute that people learn to overcome that, that it becomes like 
this is a viable thing that will last forever. But but a lot of people don't have that skill set. So I, I can see the I can see why there'd be some pessimism around that because it's it's it is really uncommon. Like like I think one thing to build on your point, Rob. One thing I've realized without ever being in a relationship or even having gone on a date, is the more I learned the, about relationships, the more I studied, the more I realized how intercomplex and how difficult this was. Like going back to the twelve-year-old kid I was, I thought wealth was by far the hardest. It wasn't even a margin of difference. And now I'm absolutely convinced that the hardest thing in life to do. For sure, harder than building a business, harder than getting, you know, losing 200 pounds is by far and large maintaining a monogamous relationship <laughs> with a partner with happy children. It is, mm. it, I can just, I just know, like I get an example. Here's one exercise that I've never done because I've never been in a relationship, but I can also guarantee 99% of people have never done. If not, if that, if not that percentage is 99.7 or whatever. So the five languages, right? Words of affirmation, acts of service, uh, what's the rest of them? Physical, uh, physical touch, touch, all that stuff. Quality time, yeah. Right. I can guarantee you 90% of couples, maybe not on this podcast or listening, but in general, have never went up to their partner and just said, hey, babe, can you like take this list and just rank them in the order and like that you feel love and explain it back to me? That is just one simple five-minute exercise that gives you so much clarity because men realize that physical touch is much higher up than a woman or something, or, you know, whatever the case is for that individual relationship, that one little exercise wrong. If most people don't even do that, I'm looking at all these relationships. like, there's no way statistically that over the course of 20 years that even uh, they'd be lucky if even 3% of this made it out alive. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> So anyways, I just realized how difficult this was. So the more that I learned, the more that I developed a growth mindset, or I guess in my case, a hyper growth mindset, the more I realized how small, the smaller this percentage got of potential mates over time. Hmm. Like but when I was 15, it was just like, oh man, like she has a really nice smile. That's like half everybody. And then now it's just like, oh crap. Like if she doesn't, like, does she not know Catherine Woodward Thomas's work on conscious and coupling? Does she not read the book on Chifali and Sasbury and how to parent? Like, she, and then she's like, <laughs> like everything goes down and, and you're just like, oh, there's like three people left. <laughs> so like what happens? And then if you don't find all three of those people unattractive, then you're screwed. Like it's done. Yeah, I, I can, I can definitely see how that would be a concern. Um, Cause like, one thing that I didn't discover in relationships until like after I started doing them was how um, like the the pain of the experience it becomes like this amazing catalyst for wanting to create more growth and change. And because both people are going through it, usually that's it. There's like no pain like relationship pain. And I, I think you're right in that they are they're so complex and they're like a constantly moving target. And then you throw kids into the picture and it's exponentially more difficult. <laughs> but like because of that and because I'm so closely attached to this person when I do have my breakdown with them and I, I definitely will like that's a guarantee 100% it is so painful for both of us that at that point that's usually when people start their growth journey like because the pain is immense I begin looking to see how can I prevent this from happening again and it's it's interesting with the right partner that becomes a source of like like such a fast level of evolution, it's ridiculous. 
So I, I do like that you're you're looking for someone who is growth minded because that's one of my criterion too. I won't date someone who's not willing to be responsible for their experience. I also wanted to reflect that I, I think I understand your approach too. I, I feel like I came from a, a different angle. I started off feeling very, very, very disconnected from people and uh, hating, hating that. Like I was kind of like the lonely nerd that spent all of his time playing Diablo 2 and getting very good at it. <laughs> but like at the same time, I felt so immensely disconnected from people that like, I don't know, like life seemed to lack meaning and purpose. Money was not a concern, I'm reasonably good at money. So I, like you, I picked an area in my life where I wanted to focus and I just poured it all into relationships instead. And now I'm coming back to the money bit. So yeah, I, this approach makes sense to me. And I think most of this story makes sense to me. Is there is there anything about your approach right now that you want me to understand that I don't currently understand? That's a beautiful question, man. You're awesome. I, I think the way that I see it is, I think the most important part of the framework is <laughs> I've tried optimizing everything and it's worked, right? You know, whether it was health, whether it was wealth, and I'm very stubborn in the sense that I wanted to wake, work with relationships, but I know deep inside that there is no formula to relationships, which is unfortunate. So the next best thing that I could do is try and figure out the best possible thing that I could hope <laughs> works out for me, you know? So, so I think the idea is, is I'm not, you know, I'm not sure how this is going to go. I think, I think the only thing left to do is to remain an optimist. Like, like to give you an idea, like me and my sister, which is probably the, one of the best relationships I have with the women is we haven't argued in, I think, I think it's been like 13 years. The last time we had a fight like that long, we never argue, never. We're very both stable. We're both calm. Whenever she needs to talk about something, she tells me about like the people she dates. Someone's just so weird. And like, I was like, why are you telling me all this stuff? But anyways, <laughs> it's like so odd. But like, we have a very good relationship. We, we never fight. So, so I definitely am open. I know that it's possible to be in a very peaceful, loving, monogamous relationship with somebody, even if there's going to be a lot more chips on the table to argue about relative to a sister. Because a sister, you know, you don't do all those things with you know you argue over some things we don't argue over others with relationship you kind of have to put everything on the table so i think it's possible i just think the number of women and men who are actually ready and suited for that type of role or that or even want that thing because now it's super easy it's a lot easier than it used to be to leave a relationship because there's so much great you know great stuff out there i guess hypothetically speaking anyways so so given that it's just the number is just decreasing a lot over time so so i don't know if i'll find that person but i think what i will say is i'll definitely try because because i know for sure that by the eight by the time i'm in my 30s i'll be a multi-millionaire i'll have my six-pack but if i don't have kids I, oh, it could be in 40s, whatever. If I live a life without kids, I don't think I'll be, I'll be happy. I'll have truly experienced everything I wanted out of the human experience. Hmm. So, so that's why I'm thinking about it in this way very early relative to other guys my age or 24 who are probably just focused on fucking right now. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah, I think, I think the path goes the way the path goes. But it, is, it has been really fascinating understanding uh, the mindset and the mentality that goes behind this. I feel like on the point of like, there is no formula for relationships. I would, I would respectfully disagree. <laughs> That's I great. Feel, I feel like, <laughs> give it to me, yeah. Rob, give, tell us the secret sauce. 
So I, I think I think that like a lot of it is is very similar to what you were saying when it comes to like business. You you and I have talked about marketing and what makes it work, and with relationships. I don't know if it's just a microcosm for just like how human psychology is, but that rule is consistent. And I think it goes something like, first, I have to really deeply understand me. Then once I've understood me and what I like, I have to be willing to present that to another person. Because if I'm not willing to do that, then they get this masked version of me, this like some contorted version of me of what I'm trying to pretend to be, which is one of my one of my issues with the game. Because if the bait that I'm putting out isn't me, it's my wealth, it's my car, it's my hairstyle, or something else, anything else, right? then I'm going to bring in someone who's motivated by those things. I'm going to get someone who's money motivated. And then when she finds someone who has more money than me, she's gone. I'm going to find someone who really likes nice hair. And then when she runs into that gay guy from, oh wait, no, all of them are gay. I was going to say the Fab Five, the, the makeover <laughs> people. She's going to go for him. My hair is not, not as nice. So I have to be very careful that who I'm representing when I go out in a high-pressure situation with someone that I'm very attracted to is me. Not the, not the person that I'm trying to avoid being. Like, I don't want to try to avoid being the Asian stereotype of the engineer or, like, the guy with the tiny penis because then I'm going to overcompensate because <laughs> I try to be too alpha. Nor do Just I sorry. want to go the other way and try to reduce something about myself like mm. i am uh what's i'm too nerdy and i'll try to like i'll just tone it down because that's ultimately the things that i might perceive as flaws are things that someone is going to find very attractive and if that person finds me naturally attractive then i've won that's that's the game and i and i hope that that's someone that i find very attractive too but that all comes back to the first stage which is how well do i know me how well do i know what i'm actually attracted to which is why i like that you are paying attention to that hmm. absolutely dude and and i don't disagree with what you said i i think my counter argument to the game is mm. i think it, it tells us a lot about human psychology and obviously neil had his own experience and i'm not saying i definitely don't recommend it for for most people i mean he is you know he's depending on what you want of course you know he's divorced and stuff but he's also happily um he still loves his you know his ex-wife and he still co-parents with them just fine but I, I think the fascinating thing about neil's story is this idea of presenting more alpha qualities about one person that one usually doesn't. So let's say one weakness in, in the way that I approached women in the past is whenever I liked a woman, I, I actually wasn't myself anymore. I wouldn't be as aggressive as I usually am because I'm a pretty aggressive and intense individual. Mm -hmm. So let's say whenever they would complain about something because I really liked them, I would just let it slide, right? So so I would be perceived as a beta or maybe not, let's, let's use, let's avoid the words. But I think that the key is, I, th I think it was in a, I think the game was an experience of a human that I would never live through. Like I'll never do that. But I think, I think it's a gift that, uh, that Neil took the time to write that book and share it with people. Cause it, it, because I think what's fascinating is it's the truth from his perspective. And I think what most people don't do in life in general is they don't tell truth from their perspective. So I, I just really appreciated the gift that he, that he shared. I think that's what I think. I think. <laughs> <I'm not sure. laughs> 
Man, okay, this this is this is his own awesome side conversation. I I want to engage around this if that's cool with you. Please, please, please okay. do. Like, well, so you you haven't, well, you're not all the way through yet. But he wrote a follow up book called The Truth. The Truth. Yeah. yeah, and I think you may find that there's there's a lot that shifts in between those two books and how he approaches, um, but. I, I think there's this other piece around like being beta and being submissive. And, and I found myself uh, following that. Like the game is how I got started down the pickup artist route. It is is how I began studying body language and how to interact with people. Um, and I, I value it because without it, I wouldn't be where I am right now. And everything that I learned there in terms of the routines, the the negging and learning how to bounce people from location to location, peacocking, uh, everything is useful in its own way, but it's like this pale imitation of someone who is fully self-expressed. It seeks to emulate the behaviors of someone who is actually willing to be fully vulnerable. That's from what I've said. That's from what I've experienced and seen. Mm-hmm. The other piece around like the avoiding beta behavior is that I've noticed that when I started doing that, and I'm not saying that you're doing this, but when I, when I was in that space, the big thing that came up for me was then I got very reactive whenever I was put in what I perceived to be a beta situation, right? which is the most unattractive behavior of all. Because I'm looking so much into avoiding being a submissive and being this beta male, because I think that's unattractive, then I get emotionally reactive and Absolutely. like I start lashing out and like I get pissed off for no reason and I get huffy and then go off and be myself, um, be by myself. That led me into an even more unattractive place than ever before. And I think there's a, there's a very real danger around that when I try to orient my overall value to whether or not I think someone else thinks that I'm beta. Cause it's like, it's like a fractal, right? Like there are infinite possibilities there. It's my perception of someone else's perception. I have no idea. And we're on the same page, absolutely. Here, here's another way I can spin this to make it more interesting or, or I guess more understandable. So if you look at both perspectives, okay, here, here's the underlying issue with every human being, in my opinion. Is they, they, this, <laughs> this everyone's is, problem. Just everyone? Right now, just, this is your this, problem. This is <laughs> Except for like us, because we're awesome. No, I'm kidding. We're, we're both we're both morons too, and I'm definitely going to speak on behalf of you as well. But I think the point I'm making is most people want to put themselves on a side, right? That's why I'm glad you brought this up because it's important. Because else people are going to think that I that I was like, oh no, I'm only an alpha all the time, and that's you know I'm just going to like start puffing my chest and all that stuff. So obviously the gray is hard. So the point I'm making, it's like this whole idea of. Should I be a Democrat or should I be a Republican for those of you in the US? Should I, should I be on the blue side or the red side? But what people don't get is very few people look at both and say, what can I learn from both? Why is there only two places to pick from? Why is this situation according? What's wrong with the Democrat? What's right? What's wrong with the Republican? What's right? No, and, and the issue, I think, with most people is this idea of mimetic theory, which I won't go into too much, is that most human beings, what they do is they emulate what other people do. So if I grew up with a bunch of Democrats, I'm just going to be a Democrat, not because I want to be, but because my survival depends on it to a certain degree. Same thing that I found with, with masculinity. 
so you have one side of it which is completely toxic which is you know like oh she's a bitch and whatever she says is wrong and i'm right and i'm the dominant like this football player who's like out of control on steroids i don't know whatever you want to call it right who doesn't deal with their emotions and is like this terrible puts puts their partner through this emotional disaster tornado and then you have the other side of it which is like super 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 nice guy which is like you know rob whatever you say buddy I'll just agree with. I love your tattoo. I love the way that your hair looks. You know, Thank every you. and you. then I just keep that going for good. thirty. Yeah, for the first <laughs> two minutes, and then after thirty minutes, I was like, "Man, I love your lamp." Did you like? <laughs> and then after ten minutes, you're like, "Okay, is this dude like faking it? Like this guy's like." The same thing with a partner. Like if you're always agreeing all the time, and you're like, "Which let's for the let's use this term. It doesn't need to be the right term, but just like a uh, complete beta, just hundred percent beta." So the way that I've thought about this is this idea of hybrid masculinity. So how do you pull from both angles? So by saying, okay, I really want to be in tune with my emotions. I really want to understand what's going on. I don't want to put my partner through shit. But if this person crosses a boundary that is just unacceptable to me, I will make it clear that this is not something that should be crossing. So if they ever cross a line, I will make it known and I will make it heard. That is how you kind of bridge that gap. So in my opinion, in my humble opinion, even if I'm not sure and I can't back this up like I can with my business and my numbers and my health, <laughs> I am, I'm someone who would do a really good job in long-term relationships provided I pick the right per- partner. I think my issue, because most all of my friends I've, I've known for more than five years, like I'm pretty good at the long-term thing. Not, necessar- not saying I will be in relationships, right? But I'm saying I'm better equipped than most people because I know all the tools. For me, the issue has always been courtship. I don't know how to garner initial attraction. I don't know how to build that. I don't know when to kiss somebody. Like, I don't know what that, how that works, right? So that's why I was, I was very, uh, very lucky, or I guess very appreciative of Neil's work. Hence why I haven't read the truth. I'll probably read that after I uh, start, uh, start dating. But I think I already know it's coming. Like I've read Mark Manson's book and all that stuff. Like, you know, I, I know I what like Neil's going to say. book either. And, yeah, but, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. I mean, you are Rob. I mean, I got to I gotta read Rob's book. I think that's the takeaway. And Rob's book is going to be entitled Forget Virginity, Follow This Instead. <laughs> Anyways, How I Converted uh, My Good Friend on a Podcast. <laughs> it's just going to be like, wag your life. Anyways, I'm going to be Wang your life. Oh, oh, I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's like wind your life, but wag. Anyways, the, the point that I'm driving here, Rob, is... I think there's there's always something that we can learn from somebody. And I think what the most intelligent people on the planet do is they make the decision to say, based on my unique goals, perspectives, and way that I want to personally live life, how can I listen to everybody at the same time and ignore the advice that doesn't make sense and the one that does? So if we talk about the game, and if I'm because I've just been positive about it, I'm obviously highly critical. Like playing fucking magic tricks on like girls is stupid. Like I was like, that's so petty. That's not my thing. Yeah, right? I mean, like okay. I would never do that, I, right? I want to, I want to say that like all, of, all of this is circling around the same area. And thank you for letting me jump in. Um, please, please. But like, I like where you were going with the balance between the alpha and the beta. There, like it, that that makes sense. And for me, it like hints around the truth, which is that if I am being authentically me and I'm paying attention to what I want and what I don't want, and I'm actually speaking out about it. I will go through a natural mix of behaviors that is attractive to women and it won't seem like I'm incongruent the entire time because I'm pretending or trying to force it. Like I will naturally reach a point where I have a boundary that's met. I'm going to get mad about it or I'm going to talk about it. 
I will also naturally have moments where I do fully appreciate someone and I won't go over the top because if I'm authentically appreciating someone, they're going to feel it and I'm going to end whenever that appreciation ends. So I think that like there, there is like value in seeing that there is a balance that's available. And I think the fact that the game is broken down into rules is its biggest downfall. If I am just naturally me, I'm going to emulate every single one of the behaviors that they tell me to without me ever having to think twice about a rule or having to practice on sets or knowing how to escalate to a kiss. Like all that stuff will come very naturally because that's what I would do in that situation. This is how I feel. And I'm right. Talking about- but, but my counter there is right now you're externalizing your singular perspective onto a whole population, right? You're saying, well, well, I would do that. I didn't, you know, when I was reading the game and I was thinking about the girl last year, right? I was like, I made 20 mistakes, not mistakes as in I didn't follow the rule. But like at some point it was like 3 a.m. I was sitting her next to her couch, her face next to me. She gave me like seven IOIs. Like it was ridiculous. And I kind of just sat there because I didn't just know. I didn't know. Like I, did, like I I just didn't know how to kiss somebody or what to do or how to initiate that. So I think, I think the key is, we're all good at something. We're all bad at something. And, and for someone like me, who's really good at business, like amazing, you know, really fit. I got a six pack, all that stuff. There's some parts of my life that I'm just entirely clueless. So even if the rules based approach wasn't perfect, it gave me the training wheels that I just never learned my entire life up until that point, because I never wanted to experiment like most guys do right with other relationships until they were in, one so that's why because i'm heavily appreciative of the read and the book but but i think the general idea to kind of build build a consensus between both of our points is you're right the only way to sustain a long-term monogamous relationship or in which you are happy means to be authentically you but what i would argue is that that authenticity will change over time because what is authentic to you at 15 will change so yeah, that's exactly yeah. the point. Actually, I, right. I do want to address your other point about me externalizing and projecting my point of view as right on everyone else, which I think is incorrect. Because if someone is being authentic to them, that's going to look different for them, right? Like me asking people to be them is just that, right? Like it's going to be unique person to person. It's not that I'm projecting that you should be exactly like me. The request is that you just show up exactly like you. I don't think there's anything damaging about that. And I, I believe that that is the most attractive thing that people can do. Like if I run into a secretary that's following a very specific set of rules, there's nothing attractive about that. It's like this plastic version of a human being. And I think that you and I could probably both agree that we wouldn't date someone who was like that all the time. Right, but let me let me let me ask you a different question. And right now, maybe I didn't say that projection thing correctly. Probably that was wrong. But it's the point that I'm making is, but what about the Rob who was playing Diablo two, who didn't have the game, who haven't even read that, who was just getting started, just didn't want to be a virgin anymore, and saw that same secretary? Do you think he would just he would just write her off as plastic? I don't know. I never lived that life. Right, but. <laughs> What I do know is that what didn't work about me back then wasn't that I was unattractive or that I was playing video games. No, of course not. You're an attractive guy. We both know that. No, but like even I was such a different person back then. But even then, I could have been wildly successful with women if 
I'd taken the time to be authentic about stuff. And I think back then I conflated like, like physical beauty with whether or not I was attracted to that person. Like I would say that I would be attracted to a Victoria's Secret model, even though if I look biologically at my physical reaction, I'm not aroused by this human being. I think that's a pit that I would fall into. But mm. at the end of the day, I think if we look at the mechanism of attraction, it's the emotions that I feel from someone, right? And if I were able to consult that back then, when I run into someone who is not triggering any emotions because they're just being really polite, like politeness is designed to disarm strong emotions, right? Politicians are polite. Diplomats are polite. There is no emotional reaction. Yeah. I I don't I don't really have any counterpoint to this. I I agree with a lot of what you said. I, I think the idea is more just, you know, figuring you know I think I think the takeaway here that I really want to is is I think this conversation has demonstrated one important thing that from the assumption that I made at the beginning, that relationships is by far the hardest of the three. Right? We can master our health, we can master our wealth, but this idea of romantic relationships, living with another human being understanding their wants and needs, how they change, and then your wants and needs and you change. And you kind of figure out to keep staying together as that length of time continues is I think the ch most challenging thing I'll ever have to face in this life that I'm alive. I think that's the, and I'm still trying to figure it out and I don't have the answers, but hopefully we found a couple in, uh, in today's uh, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, yeah. So like appreciation, um, for showing up and being in like a pretty, I think a, a really challenging conversation because we, we don't see eye to eye on a lot of this, but what I do appreciate is that you stuck with the conversation and we talked it out. I think, I think that's a really difficult thing. I also think that that's one of the most valuable traits inside of a relationship. So in a lot of respects, I would agree that you're better equipped to handle a relationship than many people. Right. And one thing I would add, I don't think we're disagreeing on most points. I think I'm just saying the wrong thing that's being misinterpreted into something that, and the, likewise, maybe I'm understanding. Because remember, this is, this is one of the few times in my life I actually talk about this particularly. So I think we're on the same page with pretty much all of this stuff. I think it's just more about the the language or the wording and things like that. But I appreciate you saying that, by the way. <laughs> Hopefully. Let's, <laughs> let's see. Let's see how I cope with the whole uh, arguing and conflict resolution let's see <laughs> i'll keep you boasted coach rob that sounds good um well i appreciate you joining in today is there anything that you want to say to help us close it out here any advice you want to give or any insights that you're taking away absolutely just wait until marriage everyone <laughs> <laughs> i'm just i'm just you heard it I'm here just, first I, i'm just <laughs> It's CTV live now. I'm just, I'm just fucking with all of you. I, I think the key is just as long, as long as you're happy in the moment, I think uh, there's nothing else that really matters much more than just being happy. So if you're truly happy and you're listening to this and you're just a happy person, keep being happy. I think that's the takeaway. Brilliant. All right. Well, that's about our time for today. Um, thank you again for being here. And you can catch the next episode. We'll be next live on Thursday whoa you made it all the way to the end um wow thank you for listening thank you for spending an hour of your time with me today um i really appreciate you and 
yeah, just just the fact that you're like here and you're part of the audience, part of this tribe, and you've helped us expand and grow. Yeah, appreciate your efforts. Thank you for sharing this with the people that you think would benefit. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for rating this podcast. It means a lot to me. And I mean, I guess I guess that's it. I I want to avoid being too wordy here, but yeah, means a lot that you've been here the entire journey or maybe you've been here for like a really brief part of the journey, but the fact that you're here participating and listening to these conversations is really meaningful. All right, that's it. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Catch you in the next one.